starting a new series. So throw up the first slide, or second slide, I guess. Coming there. What are these people? Next slide. And these people. And last slide. And this person all have in common. Robin Williams probably gave it away, right? They're all people who have battled mental illness. And today we're starting a new series called Unspoken, Faith, Emotional, and Mental Health. And I think it is an important series for our church to go through because I think there are so many people, not only beyond these walls, but within these walls, that deal with emotional and mental health. And there's a lot of unanswered questions that hopefully, as we move through this series, we will answer some of them. And and here's the deal. Almost everyone, almost everyone is impacted in some way by mental illness, either personally or or through the challenge of relating to someone who has a mental illness. Here, watch this. If you have a mental illness, or you know somebody who has a mental illness, that way we're not only pointing out the people, but if you are impacted in your life by someone with mental illness, at work, at school, in your family system, just raise your hand. Look at that, eh? Mental illness impacts almost everyone in our society. Listen to these statistics. One in five Canadians will experience some form of mental illness this year. One in five, that's 20%. 20% of the people in this room are going to experience some form of mental illness this year. Let me put that in perspective for you. This year, 5 to 20% of the population will get the flu. So more people will experience some form of mental illness this year than will get the flu. And there's the ripple effect. Because if you're around somebody who's mentally ill, it not only impacts them, as you well know, that ripples out and impacts their family systems, their workplaces, and other places that they go. Serious and chronic mental illness is less common, around 6% of the population. Mental illness is the leading cause of disability in Canada, and major depression is the number one cause of disability worldwide. Nearly 4,000 Canadians die by suicide each year. 46% of Canadians, almost half of us, think people use the term mental illness as an excuse for bad behavior. Now, what about those under 18? 34% of high school students in Canada indicate a moderate to serious level of psychological distress. That's symptoms of anxiety and depression. 14% of high school students indicate a serious level of psychological distress. I didn't know this one. 70% of mental health problems have their onset during childhood or adolescence. Canada, Canada's youth suicide rate is the third highest in the industrial world. The church needs to be talking about mental and emotional health issues. And so today as a way of introduction, I just want to answer two key questions today. Number one question is, what is mental illness? What is it? Well, let me give you three definitions from three different sources. The National Alliance on Mental Illness says mental illness is 
a medical condition that disrupts a person's thinking, feeling, mood, ability to relate to others, and daily functioning that often results in a diminished capacity for coping with the ordinary demands of life. The Mayo Clinic defines mental illness this way. Mental illness refers to a wide range of mental health conditions, disorders that affect your mood, thinking, and behavior. Many people have mental health concerns from time to time, but a mental health concern becomes a mental illness when ongoing signs and symptoms cause frequent stress and affect your ability to function. One more definition. A mental illness can be defined as a health condition that changes a person's thinking, feelings, or behavior, or all three, and that causes the person distress and difficulty in functioning. As with many diseases, mental illness can be severe in some cases and mild in others. You can see that a mental illness is a disease causing mild to significant disturbances in a person's thinking or behavior or emotions or all three in a way that impacts the person's ability to cope with life. Now, as you just heard, most mental illnesses are on a spectrum between mild to severe. For example, there's a difference between situational depression and clinical depression. Situational depression might happen because a person experiences a loss. For a child, the loss of a pet, the loss of a family member, for instance, the loss of a job. Canuck fans know all about situational depression. <laughs> Clinical depression, on the other hand, is a long-term life-impacting disease. And there are more than 200 classified forms of mental illness. Among the most common are these, ADHD and ADD, attention deficit disorder, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, Alzheimer's, depression, obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety, stress disorder, eating disorders, schizophrenia, and addictions. Emotional and mental health struggles are real, and should not be taken lightly. And here's the real kicker. I, I, I was stunned by this statistic, so I actually checked it with another source, and I found it to be true. Approximately 50% of people with mental illness don't believe they're mentally ill. Approximately 50% of people with mental illness don't believe they're mentally ill. And if you don't believe or realize that you're mentally ill, why would you get treatment? Do you want anyone like that? I do. In my family system, not my immediate family system, not my wife and my boys, but my broader family system, there is somewhere in, someone in our broader family system who is mentally ill, needs to get treatment, could get better if they got treatment, but refuses to accept the fact that they're mentally ill, even though they've been challenged. And that can be very frustrating. And maybe you've experienced that. Let me just go on a little tangent here about something to do with that. The usual response when you're dealing with someone who denies that they're mentally ill is to what? Get upset and angry with them, right? Like, can't you see this? But when you do that, it drives the person away. Listen, you don't win on the strength of your argument. You win on the strength of your relationship. 
And what you need to do is to deepen the relationship with the person who is denying they're mentally ill. Because when they deeply trust you, they may, they may begin to listen to you. So if you're dealing with someone in your system somewhere who is living in denial, can I encourage you to stop arguing and, and stop telling them they're mentally ill. They've already heard that from you. And focus instead on building the relationship. Here's the second question I want us to dive in today. And this is an important one for us. Why do Christ followers hide their struggles? You ever ask yourself that question? Why do Christ followers hide their struggles? I know of a family. Don't go to this church. Don't even live in this city. But they're a Christian family. And if they visited our church and walked in, you'd go, wow, they look so normal. There's two parents and three kids. They dress nice. They drive a nice car. Everything looks wonderful. They come to church. Everybody would say they're the perfect church-going folks. But they have a secret. Dad's got a huge anger problem. Big anger problem. Causes a lot of stress in the family. A lot of arguments between mom and dad. Stress the kids out. There's holes in the wall from where dad has punched the wall. There's a problem. But no one knows about it. Because if they were to walk in, you'd go, they're the perfect Christian family. They're hiding their issue. Why? Because that family has adopted unspoken church rules, one, two, and three. Don't talk about it. Pretend everything is fine, and no one outside this family will understand what we're going through. And some of you, you all look pretty normal this morning. Most of you. Some of you look a little weird, but most of you look pretty normal. And yet I can't help but think that that family is probably an example of some of you that are sitting here today. And you're adopted unspoken church rules, one, two, and three. Why do Christians do that? Why do Christ followers adopt these rules? I think there's three reasons why we do that. I think there's three key reasons why we adopt these rules. And it's important for us to understand this as we enter into this series on mental health. Number one, I think there's a misunderstanding in the church about mental illness. I believe there's a big misunderstanding in the church about mental illness. In a LifeWay research poll, nearly half the Christ followers surveyed believed that prayer and Bible study alone would cure mental illness. So they do this survey, and they find out that half the Christ followers surveyed believed that Bible study and prayer alone would cure mental illness. It seems that some Christ followers believe that if you pray hard enough, if you read your Bible long enough, and if you think enough positive thoughts, your struggles will disappear. And in some cases, they may. But to say that mental illness can be cured by spiritual practices alone discourages people from getting the help they desperately need. 
And perhaps it's because brain disorders affect a person's cognitive abilities, their emotional processing, and their spiritual life that many Christians are confused about what causes mental illness. So, what causes mental illness? Well, big picture, all human brokenness is a result of sin infecting the human condition. I've told you several times that when we were first created, we were created for four relationships, right? We were created to have a relationship with God, a dynamic living relationship with God. We were created to have a relationship with ourselves. We were created to be whole, wholesome people. We were created to have healthy, meaningful relationships with each other. And we were created to have a relationship with creation. We were to steward creation. And then sin entered in. And when sin entered in, all those relationships were damaged. All of them were infected and broken by sin, our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our relationship with creation, and our relationship with ourselves. And so we live in a world that is broken. And so within that meta-narrative picture, here are some of the common causes of mental illness. First, your physical body. Your physical body, chemical imbalances, genetics, Hormones, infections can all cause mental illness. Your past and present environment, the environment you were raised up into, the environment you're living in can cause mental illness. Trauma and abuse in those environments can cause mental illness. I've talked to several people who are clinically depressed, and that clinical depression can lead back to sexual abuse when they were young. You saw in the news today, last week in Nova Scotia where that soldier with traumatic stress disorder took out his family. Trauma overloads the system, causing a mental illness that causes tragic behavior. Your, your environment that you were raised in impacts you. I've told you before, and I'll talk more about this in a few weeks. I grew up in a household where my mom worried all the time, and, and really we brought up in an anxious household because of that, and that caused me to struggle with anxiety for some time. I got victory now, but it took a long time to get there. Your, your past and present environments can cause mental illness. Poor personal choices can cause mental illness. Addiction, spiritual issues, unrepentant sin, Demon oppression. Spiritual problems can lead to problems in our brains and our bodies, just as physical problems can lead to problems with our spirits. But this does not justify the assumption that all mental illnesses are spiritual at their root and can simply be cured by, by spiritual work on our part any more than we should expect to be cured by cancer by confess simply by confessing our sin and praying more. It doesn't work that way. I was talking to someone a little bit ago, and they were very obviously clinically depressed and hadn't got help. And I said to him, you have an illness. You need to go get help. I said, if you had a pain in your stomach, that was absolutely debilitating. Would you go get help? The person said, yes. I said, why? And they said, because I'm sick and I need to see a doctor. I said, exactly. 
your brain is sick, and you need to see a doctor. We misunderstand the cause of mental illness. There are many. We'll unpack them more in the coming weeks. I think the second reason that people hide is this. There's a misunderstanding in the church about the Christian journey. There's a misunderstanding in the church about the Christian journey. In some churches, there's an overarching overemphasis, if you will, on the victorious Christian life. With the basic assumption being that real Christ followers should not have ongoing, persistent problems. And this way of thinking is based on the belief that Christ followers should expect complete victory over all the effects of sin here and now. And if you don't experience complete victory, it's because you don't have enough faith. And boy, that's a dangerous theology. And that's a guilt-ridden theology. Because it's telling people that the reason you're not better is because you don't have enough faith. If you had enough faith, you would be healed. You notice where the focus is? It's on you and not on God. And that's also a type of theology that is in direct contradiction with what the Bible teaches. Jesus said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. It says in Matthew 5, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The truth is this, Christ followers are human. And we get just as sick, just as broken, just as in need of healing as everyone else. I want you to listen to this. Mental illness is not an indication of a weakness in one's faith. Let me say it again. Mental illness is not an indication of weakness in one's faith. Please understand that. I'll talk more about this in a few weeks, but I've already mentioned you. I have permission to do this. But my wife, she woke up one morning depressed. She was in that wonderful time known as menopause. Some of you have been there. And, and, and she woke up depressed. I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to get out of bed? I don't want to get out of bed. You need to get out of bed. You need to go to work. I'm not going to work. What? And that began a journey. It went on for quite a while. And, and her hormones in her menopause created a depression that she needed to get treated for. And I'm glad to tell you now she's on the other side of all that and everything's sort of normalized and she's not on medication anymore. But I'll tell you one thing. As she journeyed through that time of depression... Her faith was strong. And her depression was not a sign of the weakness of her faith. Please understand that, folks. And, 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 and let me say this, because some of you will think I'm doing this, so I'll tell you I'm not. I'm not negating the power of Jesus to heal. Jesus can heal. Right? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God, we're to bring heaven to earth, and in heaven there's no sickness. There's no physical sickness. There's no mental sickness. There's no emotional sickness. It's perfect. And one day we will experience the new heaven and the new earth. But right now we live in this in-between time. And sometimes Jesus heals us physically, and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes Jesus heals us emotionally, and sometimes he doesn't. And sometimes Jesus heals us cognitively, and sometimes he doesn't. 
But understand, mental illness is not an indication of weakness in one's faith. And, and here's the third thing. Why people hide. There's a stigma. The air was filled with compassion as Mary unfolded her story with her women's Bible study group. She shared with them through the tears that, that her daughter again was hospitalized for a chronic condition that had her bedridden, unable to get up and care for her small children. Each of the women leaned in, listening with deep compassion. Some of them patted Mary on the shoulder. Some of them prayed silently. Some of them teared up. Then someone asked her what hospital her daughter had been admitted to. The Victoria Mental Health Center, she said. And suddenly the compassion vanished. The body language changed. Disgrace and confusion filled the room. How come every other organ in your body can get sick and you get sympathy except your brain? The truth is, there's a lot of stigma in our culture associated with mental and emotional illnesses. And the church, unfortunately, is one of the places where that stigma is present. And when the church stigmatizes emotional and mental illnesses, people with those illnesses and their families are often labeled, stereotyped, and misunderstood. Thus, instead of walking through the doors of the church and finding the no-condemnation grace of Jesus, many instead experience rejection. And they end up feeling like the lepers of Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, you ignored lepers. You shunned them. They were unclean. They were despised. They were rejected. And you would certainly never reach out and touch one unless you were Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. C can you imagine the scene? Here's this leper, he's shunned, he's rejected, he's despised, he's isolated. No one cares about him. No one would ever reach out and touch him. And here's Jesus. He's on his way down this hillside, and, and when the leper sees him, he gets in front of him, and, and he kneels before him, and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And, and I love the response of Jesus. He didn't shun or reject the leper. He didn't tell him to get out of the way. He should have, but he didn't. And in Mark's account, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was about to engage a man that everyone else wanted to ignore. He was about to do the unthinkable. He was about to reach out and touch a leper. And throughout the Bible, the leper is representative and symbolic of an outcast. He, he represents the person in any area who is isolated and rejected and shunned and stigmatized. In many ways, people with mental illnesses in our day are like the lepers of Jesus' day. They are misunderstood. They are shunned. They are stigmatized. They are marginalized or rejected, which is why people with mental and emotional illnesses hide the fact 
they're sick. That's why a family walks in and looks perfectly religious and yet has huge problems going on behind the closed doors because they know if they come clean, there's this fear that they're going to be misunderstood, that they're going to be shunned by their church, that they're going to be stigmatized, they're going to be rejected, and who wants that? Listen, we we have a decision to make. We we can treat those with mental illnesses like the people in Jesus' day treated the leper, or we can treat those with mental illnesses the way Jesus treated the leper. What if we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with the same compassion that Jesus had? A compassion that reaches out and touches the lepers in our lives. So that rather than pushing those who struggle with mental illness away, we reach out and we bring them close. There's something deeply messed up with the church who only welcomes the attractive and the desirable. I was talking to someone this week, and they were telling me about a church in another city. And they went to visit this church, and they said, as you drove into the parking lot, all there were were brand-new cars, SUVs, accolades, all these wonderful big cars. Everyone was dressed to the nines as they were going into this church. He said no one was out of place. And after that conversation with that person, I thought, I wonder if Jesus and his crew showed up in that church, whether they'd be rejected. Jesus brings in the outcasts, the prostitute, the poor, the tax collector. I wonder how that church would respond. Let's be the church. Let's be the church that removes the stigma. let's, Let's shatter the shame and the stigma and the silence so that people affected with and affected by Mental and emotional struggles can find hope and acceptance and care and new life in Jesus in this place. Let's be a faith community where the hurting and the broken and the sin-scarred can come and find rest and care and redemption. Let's be a faith community that's a safe place for those who suffer and their families. Let's be a church that sees people and not their illnesses. Let's be a church that remembers that we are all broken and that Jesus loves us in our brokenness. Let's be a place that takes talks openly about mental and emotional health issues. And that's what this series is all about. This series is all about breaking the stigma and giving you information and seeing how faith relates to mental and emotional health. And here's where we're going throughout the next slide. If you want to know where we're going, next week we're going to talk about we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're going to look at how God created us with a body, with a soul, with a spirit, and what that means. We're also going to look next week at the question about what, a, what about demons and mental illness. And then we're going to look at some specific Struggles that people have. We're going to look at anxiety, depression, addiction, burnout, dementia. And then lastly, we're going to spend some time talking about what can families and churches do. And that's where we're going. I hope you join us on this journey around a very important topic.
And as I close this morning, I, I want to kind of switch tones a little bit. And I want to say that in this room, if the 20% rule holds, there are people here today that are struggling. You're struggling with a mental illness or an emotional illness or a neurological disease or a, maybe a developmental disease like autism, and you're wondering, how does God look at me? You know, I've talked to people that are struggling with emotional illnesses and mental illnesses like depression and other things, and they wonder, how does God the Father look at me? If you want to know the answer to that question, I, I would say to you, ask a parent who has a child who has a disability how they view their child, or better yet, let's watch this video of a dad talking about his son. And I think it answers the question of how God the Father looks at those of you that struggle mentally and emotionally. Let's watch this video.
maybe you're here this morning and you struggle with mental illness or emotional illness or some other neurological problem, and I think God the Father looks at you this morning and says, no, you're not normal. You're beloved. You're beloved. Romans 8, 38 says this, neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about nor, and this is my little addition, nor mental illness, not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. And if you're struggling this morning, I want you to know God says you're beloved. You're beloved. Know that. And nothing, not depression, not schizophrenia, nothing can separate you from God and his presence in your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you look down on us and you know there were fallen people, but you love us. And thank you that none of us are normal, but all of us are beloved by you. And Father, we thank you for that. And so as we embark on this journey over these next weeks to talk about and learn about this important subject, God, I pray you'll open our lives. May we be the church that breaks the stigma. May we be a church that welcomes people as you welcome them. As you reached out and touched that leper, may we reach out and bring those close. Those who need your love in a special way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.